ASL OnStar, how may I help you? Uh, it's an emergency. It's an emergency. It's going to be all right, sir. Now just tell me what the problem is. Oh, it's horrible. My opponent just called and had to cancel for our ASL game tonight. I've got no one to, to play squad leader with. Now everything's going to be just fine, sir. You are protected by ASL OnStar. We're going to check our databases, our computer databases, find an opponent for you, and send them right over. Now just stay on the line with me until your opponent arrives. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Two Half Squads, the only podcast on the net dedicated 100% to the greatest game in the world, Advanced Squad Leader. I'm your host, Jeff. And I'm Dave. And here we are together. How are you, Dave? I am fine, Jeff. Good to see you. Good to be back. Good to be back. A lot of excitement last episode with John Hill. Certainly was. Yeah, that was great. And as we said, you know... Uh, after that big interview, it'd be nowhere to go down but downhill from yeah, there. Yeah, and we're here to prove it tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and down we go. So if you hear that a sliding sound, that's us going downhill. So we're gonna we're gonna go from just being not very well known to totally obscure. And it's March first, two thousand and ten. Yes, and this it is. is episode number thirty three. Thirty three. That's got to be uh, probably good luck, numerologically speaking. And it's a new record for us. Yeah. Yeah, we've never done episode 33 before. Is no. that what you mean? Yeah. Yep. It's the most we've done so yeah. far. Yeah, so that's great. Well, I see you're wearing your Squad Leader t-shirt. I am wearing my Two Half Squads t-shirt. Podcast oh, t-shirt. Two Half Squads t-shirt, yes. <laughs> he didn't recognize his own t-shirt. <laughs> I'll be here in a minute. In I'll be here in a Jeff? minute. It's kind of, but just been kind of a crazy day. <laughs> well, should we jump right in and get some listener mail done? Yeah, let's do. We need a theme song. I'll insert it right here. Okay, there we go. All right, Jeff, what do you got? I think you have letter number one. I, I have letter number one? I think I lost it already, Dave. I numbered them. Oh, here we go. Oh, yes, number one. A couple of subtle corrections. Who's this from? A corrector. A corrector, yeah, some guy. Some guy. Uh, well, somebody left this on the website, I think. A couple of subtle corrections from the podcast. The Aslock is in Cleveland, not Columbus. Yes. That's a good one to correct us on. Don't go to Columbus, he says, the first week of October. You'll find no ASL, as they'll all be in Cleveland rolling dice. So that's good to know. I'm going to have to change my Google map then. It's got me all messed oh, up now. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would be a problem. Yeah. So I may, uh, I may go to... Columbus, and then I just think turn left or go it? north like 200 miles. Yes. I'll be in Cleveland. Uh, second, it's Jeff DeYoung that makes the marvelous 3D maps, not Jeff DeVries. That is I, correct. I, I, yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. Who, uh, Jeff DeVries is a fictional character, as far as I know. <laughs> maybe. Maybe he is. <laughs> we should try to interview him. Since we don't have any real, real interesting people to interview anymore, we'll interview some fictional characters. He might be some odd combination of Jeff DeYoung and Mark DeVries, that mad scientist Larry Zoff created, which I'd rather not think about. Yes. I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, so, anyway, thanks for the corrections. Yeah, thanks a lot for correcting us. <laughs> now, remember, it's better. a group effort to oh, get yeah, everything right. right. Okay. Takes the pressure um, okay. off of us. Okay. Takes the pressure off. Yeah. I have a quick one here from uh, Sly Frog. Wonderful interview and uh, not dull at all. Actually, sort of anti-dull. 
Remember we were complaining about That's the dull checkbox yeah. on our pod yeah. thing? So, yeah. From Sly Frog. Thank you for chiming in, Sly. Excellent podcast, guys. Nice interview with Chaz. Thanks a lot. It's funny that campaign games take so long to develop. Of course, I understand all the hard work that goes into them. For example, Tom Moran's Valor of the Guards. And I only play campaign games. I don't have any interest in scenarios, so I don't buy action packs. Action packs. Action packs. (laughs) Though he he has Red Barricades, Valor of the Guards. Who cares, Dave? (laughs) What kind of a letter is this? Who cares? I thought the topic was that we'd want to cover in a future show. What? Campaign games? Yeah. Oh, okay. But you and I don't play them. No, we don't. So we'll have to bring in some resident experts. We'll, we'll bring in some uh, some artificially created characters, <laughs> some fictional characters, <laughs> to play campaign games that we don't have time to play. We'll talk to them as if we know what we're talking so, about. So, yeah, I thought that letter would be good, you know, to get people thinking about how many listeners want to hear have a, a campaign game show episode someday. Ah, I see. Okay. that's That does sound fun. Okay. Mm. Mm. Should I go next? Oh, who's that mm. from? Whose good idea was that? Peter. Peter. Thanks, Peter. And here's one from Roger Mark, and he was simply pointing out that, well, he had actually sent us photos with uh, John Hill playing Johnny Reb at game conventions at KublaCon in 08. And so we put them on our little um, site. You guys can see the photos of John Hill playing Johnny Reb on our photo thingy. Flicker. Is he wearing pants? Yes, he is. Oh, okay. One. Hi, guys. I really enjoyed episode 30. It also got me to thinking. Well, that was your first mistake. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Have you ever thought about doing segments on do-it-yourself scenarios? You wouldn't have to do it all in one show. I'm glad he gives us that. Some ideas for the show could be how to choose map boards, how to play balance, uh, how to play balance a scenario, how to make a historical scenario. I'd like to see a brief outline of the process of how to, a good scenario designer sets out to make a scenario. Tips and suggestions from good designers would be great. So it's a good idea. It's a great idea. And, and uh, of course, we had the did do the book reviews of the Mike Dorosh, Dorosh and Pitkovich. Pitkovich. <laughs> his book. Uh, and that I think we probably talked about it then, that we thought we'd get some scenario designers interviewed yeah. and maybe do a whole show on that. But again... We don't design scenarios. No, so we don't. So again, bring in some resident experts. Yeah. I think we should call Mike Dorish and ask him to join us. Maybe for, we could. For that. We did probably get Pete Schelling. We have a little, uh, we do have a uh, commitment from Pete to be interviewed sometime in the future. But. In the year 3000. 2525. Oh, yeah. Right. Could and, be. And I have a letter here from Jeff Curtis. Uh, I want to let you know he really enjoyed the John Hill interview. Surprised to hear him say he felt the starter kits were a ripoff. I hear you guys speculate on how many people move from starter kits to full, and he can say for sure, I can say for sure, that at least two of us have made the transition. My regular wargaming partner and I played starter kits for about a year and then dove into full ASL and haven't looked back. I can say with a great deal of certainty that I would never have tried ASL had the starter kits not been published. So personally, I think publishing the starter kits is one of the smarter things MP has done. I agree with him. I would agree, too. And the biggest hurdle is moving is attaining the original modules. Jeff certainly knows the frustration of that. And um, I'm the living embodiment. <laughs> of a man who... Of, of doesn't frustration. Have, doesn't have the counters that yeah. he wants to play yeah. in the scenarios. So, 
anyway, he says he hopes to meet us someday in an ASL Open. This is from Jeff Curtis. And I think the response here, too, is that we are going to start doing, um, or I am going to add little tutorials onto our shows. Well, we'll add one to today's show, and then in the future we'll see, right, Jeff, where those will go. If they'll go into That's a separate right. episode or yeah. or whether we'll put them in uh, with our regular shows, if they're short or if they'll be long. And one of the ideas is, well, this one's on smoke, but in the future we'll be doing, uh, we can concentrate on the topics that will help people move from starter kit to full ASL. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, wait, I know how. I've done that. I've, I've moved to full ASL. Yes, you have. Yeah. I forgot. I'm kidding. Oh. I didn't forget. <laughs> you know, I think we should call Chaz and ask him what, what you know, what's going on. With J8? Yeah, with Journal 8. With uh, and, and we just mentioned how hard it is to get the basic modules. I'm going to call him right now. Hold on. I've got my phone here. No, don't. I'm don't. just going to call him now. I've got his number. Well, I, I had this little email from him. Chaz, it's Jeff and... D- Chaz, hi. It's Jeff and Dave from the Two Half Squads. Hey, Chaz. It's Jeff and Dave from the Two Half Squads. The hey. Two Half Squads. You know that podcast? Remember Kleinschmidt? Yeah. He wants to be a counter? Yeah, we want to know where the uh, where Journal 8 is. It's Jeff and Dave. I, I don't think... Je- Hello? I don't think... Oh. He just hung up? I don't think he wants to talk to us. All right. <laughs> okay, but I do have... A- I do have a real uh, email, and he said, J8 is done and was available at Winter Offensive. Can any listeners verify that for us? Yeah, that's... Because I can't find it at the game store. I don't understand it. It's not on the website. It's not on the website. So, so Jeff, you think they're pre-sending it to the pre-orders before it goes to the stores? I don't know. I don't get the whole thing. I'm sure it's there. Now, there was also, and this is true, a small Winter Offensive scenario pack which came with a new board, board 59, and two scenarios. And I wonder how we'll be able to get that in the future. So we'll have to ask Chaz if, well, if yeah, he'll talk that, to us Well, yeah, that is that. available on the website. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, I haven't checked in in a while. How much is it? Uh, I'm telling you right now, the winter offensive bonus pack, now available, is only $8. Okay, that's very reasonable. The problem is shipping is 6 yeah, or six. Actually, shipping is eight. Well, just drive over and get it. Maybe they have it at Games Plus. I'll have to call. Yeah, I didn't uh, see it. I was just there the other day. But did you? Oh, we we looked. I, was I with looked. You. Yeah, I didn't see it. There. I was with you. Remember, wasn't I with you? Yeah, you were with me. <laughs> I'm with you, and you with me, and so we are all together. How many of us are there? <laughs> but we could use more stuff. So more, more stuff. More stuff, please, Jazz. More stuff. Get that stuff out. And. Do you have another letter? Um, God, I hope Jeff not. Keeps putting down this letter. <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> I have one. This is a big one from Jim Burris. He sent us some six packs of beer to send back home with Bob Holmes from, from the Winter Offensive ASL Tournament. He was really concerned that Bob would not get those to us. Can you imagine? <laughs> I can believe that. And this Bob, is from, is a, Bob is a good driver. He usually only has one beer open while driving at a time. <laughs> at a time. And, and so we want to thank you, Jim. For yeah, that's that. really nice, Jim. And oh, oh, <laughs> oh no! The Three Stooges at my house is oh well. 
Not working today. The Stooges are kaput. But I'm having a Schlafly. Thank you, Jim Burris. Jeff's having one, too. I'm having a Schlafly Actually, as all, well. All we have left is one bottle. Jeff's got it. Jeff's pretending. Well, what, which one are you having now? There was a variety the coffee pack style. of Schlafly. I know, and I think, oh, you've got the coffee one. Yes, and I think I drank a bunch before so I got them to Jeff. So it's coffee and beer together. Yeah. What a great idea. You don't get sleepy while driving <laughs> and drinking beer. It's kind of like taking a Valium and chasing it down with a Red Bull. <laughs> So Can you do. So, so I gave these to Jeff and said, "Save them for the podcast." Yeah, <laughs> he comes over. <laughs> There's one left. <laughs> it was an accident. I drank them by. I accident. had half of them, and then you had the other <laughs> half. Of them. Luckily, we have one left. So thank you, Jim. We did appreciate it. We did, even drink though them. we didn't drink them on the air, except no. just one. Yeah. So. But I recall, oh. as I recall, they were very good. How does that taste? Now, give, I, okay, I want a report. I don't do just you, want. Do you want a sip in a glass? Huh? No. You know, coffee is not really my cup of tea. Mm. Coffee beer. So tell me. Actually, coffee stout, very good. Yeah. Like an oatmeal stout, but a little coffee flavor. Yeah. So smooth, smooth, bubbly, mm-hmm, delicious. Good nose. Mm. No, it doesn't have a nose on it. <laughs> it's got like a. There's like an antelope picture on the top. <laughs> And it's it's brewed in St. Louis, so he points out ever since <laughs> Anheuser Busch sold out to the Belgian company, Schlafly's the new St. Louis King of Beers. Ah. And he wants us to go to the tournament in St. Louis, July twenty third through twenty fifth this year. And we'll put a link to the tournament site. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, I wish we could have gotten down to Winter Offensive. We gotta we gotta get like a like a Volkswagen minibus. And paint it up with the two half squad colors, and get it all outfitted, and hire a driver. You know that's actually possible. <laughs> I might actually do that. And we could just go on tour. You know, I, I paint a little on the side. And lastly, from Bjorn Lorenzen, he simply points out he's learning night rules, and wonders if we'd want to do that in a future episode. And the answer will be yes. Yes. But that's on the way on the back burner. Don't you think? I don't night know. Night rules. Move that yeah, up. I don't know. Yeah, I think, well, I don't know. We'll have to see how it goes. We'll see see how how the mood hits us. Yes, indeed. Any other tournament news, Jeff? Oh, yeah, I've got tournament news, yeah. We've got uh, an announcement here for those of you that get your bags packed because the Texas ASL tournament is coming up, the 18th annual Texas team tournament in Austin, Texas, June 24th through the 27th. So uh, rustle rustle up your horse. And get out there. Um, it's at the La Quinta Round Rock, just north of Austin. And if you want to know more about that, you can just check the Texas ASL website. There's a four-day registration fee of $36 or a three-day registration fee of $31. I mean, this is this is so inexpensive. Uh-huh. Squad Leader is so inexpensive. Once you get the games and you play them like 20 times, they... Yeah. Paid for themselves. Wives should be sending their husbands to these tournaments because they're so... It's cheaper to send your husband to this tournament than for him to stay home. It's actually cheaper to send him to that tournament than to hire uh, a a murderer to to knock him off for the insurance, too. So... Depending on where you live. And the room rates are are, uh, very reasonable. $68 for a room. That is very reasonable. Yeah. I mean, you got to drive 19 and a half hours to get there. (laughs) Well... But then it's... So, uh, but anyway... Check them out. Coming right up. And NAVCON? Oh, and also coming up. This this does look interesting. There's not going to be squad leader here, I don't think. But NAVCON is coming up, which is a con for naval games. 
all about naval games. It's going to be in Oak Creek, Wisconsin in October. Great. Maybe we'll link those there. Yeah, we'll link those. Nobody's going to go to that. They're all going to be playing squad leader somewhere. True. The listeners of this show particularly me. Well, now, don't underestimate them. I know several squad leader players who play miniatures games, too. And (laughs) D&D. You and me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's two. That's two. That's two. Yeah. Well, that's it for letters. Thank goodness. And we'll have more letters next time. But not as many. Dave, I have a question for you. Yes, Just a quick you? question. Yeah. Yes, I do. My question to you is, what's, what's in, in, the in the box? What is in the box? Yeah, I'd like to know what's in the box. Is this a trick box. question? You no, know, I want to know. Oh, it's a segue to the it's, next part of the episode. It's time for what's in the box. Well, I'll... T- We've had some really good what's in the boxes lately, you know? Really fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So Thanks hope you, hope to you got something good. our friends over in France. Yeah. Right, Jeff? Yes. That send us fine product. Yeah. And I thought I would revisit La Franc Tureux. <laughs> I don't know. We're so bad. I, I like LFT. I just like saying LFT. but uh, Number 12. This I think it's the... Tureux. <laughs> it's just what I said. That's what I said. You know what? I never thought Steve Martin's French would actually sound good. <laughs> but after hearing yours and mine, it does. Well, and I had paused to actually read the magazine we opened last time with Rich Spilkey. And it had a board in it, remember? LFT2. Yes, right. Yeah. It had these scenarios with a lot of um, Japanese and even some and a lot of Chinese counters and landing, uh, like three or four scenarios for a naval a seaborne assaults. Mm-hmm. And so I paused and read the whole thing, and I actually loved it. And I thought I would point out a few things. There's, there's several type, typos, I think, a lot. Because um, the editor, Xavier Vitri, Xavier Vitri uh, did ask for some straightforward review here. And I would point out maybe a little more proofing would help, just a little bit. And there is an article in here by Don Lazov. Do you know? You remember oh, Don? Oh, yes, sure. Don's a local. Yeah, I don't know what he was doing in France. He must have been over there on a vacation. I think he was in Cam- he wrote it in Cambodia, probably. And, well, this is also packaged in Cambodia, and he did a little article on the uh, map making technology. And he he says he's not a great writer, and it kind of showed. No offense, Don, but your what you had to say here about the maps is just a really great idea. And uh, it, so, what's the article about? How they using, make the maps? No, how he likes to make maps with oh. his computer program. Map maker. Which is called Microsoft Map Maker. It's got to be. Yeah. Hextra. Nope. Hextra. Oh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hextra. Uh, and then I noticed the articles by Xavier himself. A little bit of the English, you know, could be improved a little. And yeah, Xavier. Philippe, Philippe Brault. Go practice your English. Brault also wrote the, an article. That, no. And I found that each consecutive article seemed to improve in, in language use. This whole magazine is in English. And it also had this great cartoon in the middle by doesn't by Emmanuel Batiste mm-hmm. and um, a replay of Sims Ridge. So just outstanding quality stuff here. And Jean Pascal Peoli wrote a great one on the beach landings for the for the, to go along with the theme of this magazine. So I just thought uh, great value for the money, great quality as we said last yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so a Beautiful more proofreading and the fact that they're translating it. But it's all in English. Maybe I should volunteer to do some proofreading since you, I am an English major. Uh, you know, they, I bet they would be glad to hear that, yeah. Jeff. And they'll probably take you up on that. 
Now, this little product you have not seen before. No, this is a surprise. Would you take a look and tell us what it is? Okay. This is LFT number 10, La Division Azul. And the La Division Azul Mm -hmm. was a Spanish unit that went, okay, after the Spanish Civil War, the Spaniards, (laughs) the the Spaniards managed to stay out of World War II, remember? But part of the deal, they, they got a volunteer unit together to go fight for Hitler. As like payback for helping, was it Franco? Yeah. And this division, the Blue Division, went to Russia because they were really ardent anti-communists. Mm. And they were still wanting to give Soviets a little payback for trying to get involved in their civil war. So they went there and they fought very heroically on the Eastern Front. Really? World War Two. And so you will find these scenarios, Jeff. Very nice looking stuff as usual. And notice the nationality is consistent on all the scenarios of the German-looking units. Yeah. That's the Spanish division. I see. division. Okay. These are 1941. All in Russia. Are, are all of these All are, in Russia. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Here's one in Germany. Oh, sorry. At the end of the war. But Eastern Front. 1945. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. I did not... Uh, Know that. I didn't yeah. <laughs> know that either. And I learned a lot of history from this magazine. And what what length are those scenarios? They're all about playable in an evening? Uh six and a half, seven and a half, six and a half. Yeah. Six it yep. All pretty playable. Yeah. One and two boards. So you get ten scenarios, mm-hmm. all playable in an evening. Um my comments on LFT 10, the usual high-quality paper and cardstock and graphics, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, very nice looking. And the for, the forward of the magazine, you notice, is in French. So I think LFT has been trying to evolve into a magazine that comes out in, in all English, as this number 12 does. But number 10, parts of it were in French, and the listeners might want to know that. Um, Jean DeVoe was a, a, a player in their group there, and he passed away. And they have tributes to him he had died, sadly. Um, there's some grammatical errors in this. Xavier Vitri has some in his editorial on page five. Uh, they, in this magazine, you will find a review of Rally Point, and then in French, in French, and it's page eight and nine. Page six is French. Page seven is English, and it's tribute to Jean, who'd passed away. Mm-hmm. Page ten was a friendly fire review. Now that's in English. Page eleven, they do a ASL journal in English, a review, and. 12 to 13, page 12 to 13, dispatches from the Bunker Review. So you're getting a lot of reviews of some great ASL products in this magazine. Page 14 to 17, a review of um, Berlin, Critical Hits Berlin, Fall of the Third Reich. Page 17, a Pickovich Designer's Guide review also. Well, we did that on our show. There's pictures of Pickovich there. Yep. And I think he looks a little like a chipmunk (laughs) with his beard, but don't tell him I said that. (laughs) I know you mean that in the most loving and admirable yeah, and yeah, it's very cool. complimentary way. And page 18 to 20 is some articles on, I can't read my handwriting. What do you see on 18 to 20? I see uh, Aslock, 21. Oh, yeah, getting, getting to Aslock from Europe. Yeah. And a guy's experience going to Aslock. And then the Pickavage interview, we interviewed him on our show, too. And page 25 to 26 is in French. It may be club news. I'm not sure. Page 27 
because <laughs> I can't read French. Recounts the 2006 Grenadier Tournament. That's a European tournament. The game's played by Alexandre Lecordaire. Page 34 to 45 is the history of the Spanish volunteers and the battle for Krasny Boar, which was a big battle that they fought. So you can see right there, Jeff, Yeah, that's the history of the Spanish unit. Excellent historical reading. Found it really enjoyable and well-written. Page 46 to 51 covers the Russian Ski Battalion OB, you know, the organization of a Russian ski battalion. Ah, interesting. Which is, yeah, I liked it a lot since I've been playtesting HP, you know. Page 52 to 53, interview with uh, Carlos Horado, and he is the author of a, several Blue Division books. The author. So they got an interview with him and on, the, on the Blue Division. Page 54 to 56 compares three players' setups for the same scenario. Now, that I, Jeff, you may remember I proposed that idea to you once. Yes. That we both set right. up a game and then. Um, compare our setups live on the air, and I still think that's a great idea. So this is where you stole that idea. No, from? I had the idea yeah, first. That's good. That's they really just nice sent that, that you, to us. They good, just said that of to you us to <laughs> confess that it's good for your soul. Don't you feel better? <laughs> and actually, think of the similarities between. Yeah, I think they stole that from us. Yeah, we talked oh, about it in a previous episode. That could be. We did. That could what be. What year is that? Well, yeah. What year did this come out? Uh... I don't is know. it in French? All, all, the numbers, all the numbers are in French. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was a great idea. Compare three players' setups for the same scenario yeah. and analyze them. Page 58 to 63. Now, that's all in English. Page 53 to 63. Human Wave article. Now, when we do our episode on Human Wave, I'm going to reference that article. Oh, yeah. I'd like to Good actually one. take this and read and this. And read through this that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've got some need for Human Wave coming up. Need? <laughs> Or is that just a want? A want for human No, I'm going to be playing um, Streets of Stalingrad. Oh, that's both A and B? A and B together. Okay. Uh, in a week and a half. Yes. With Rich Spilkey and two other guys we're going to play as teams. All right. And I suspect uh, Rich and I are going to play the Russians, and I may have some need for human wa- human wave, as they say. <laughs> in France. Yeah. Le Wave d'Humain. Yeah, you should read that then. It covers all the rules. It seemed accurate to me. Again, I'm no rule expert, but and it's all in English, so it's a great article. Page 64 to 73. I actually think this magazine came out in 2006. So that would be pre-date our... But we didn't get this product until two weeks ago. Thank you again, Xavier, for your kindness to the show. Yeah, kindness. And page 64 to 73, After Action Report and a Gates of the Reich campaign game. Now, this was actually in Vivictus, which was a French ASL magazine that I do not know a thing about. Hmm. So I missed that one somewhere in there. Uh, And page 74 to 76 is going from starter kit to full. Now, right there, Jeff, page 74 to 76 are some topics we can use for some tutorials. Yes. To get players to move from starter to full. Concealment, deploying and recombining, dashing. Through the snow? Yeah, sometimes. Fire lanes. Bypass. We did bypass, show. Yeah. Miscellaneous. See, they stole bypass from us, too. <laughs> <laughs> Dave. Ah, oh, Dave. Those would be some great tutorials. Yes, they would. Fire lane tutorial. Yeah. And 10 scenarios. And did I tell you what also came in a little packet inside this magazine? I can't believe there's more. The actual counters for those Spanish 
German no. counters with the little Spanish symbol on them all, leaders and everything. Wow. A full complement to play all those scenarios. Wow. That's, You're going to have to add a new box now to your... I'm, yeah, I was actually thinking, where, yeah. where do you put these where in? Where are you going to put that? I think at this point, you have to kind of store your counters in the magazine still or with the scenarios. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. We'll ponder that one. Yeah. Get back to you later. Well, that's a great thing. Um, so anyway, thank you, Xavier, Philippe, and Jean-Luc, for those fantastic scenarios and counters. Yeah. Wonderful. Great. And good that's... That takes care of what's in the box, and you know what? That's good stuff. That's yeah, enough. isn't it? Isn't it? Ten scenarios with these counters. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, time for our main segment about smoke. 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 Great idea. Now, Dave. Yes, sir. May I call you Dave? You may. I actually did a little um, a little bit of research, which is what I like to do is just a little bit of anything. Not too much. I don't want to become an expert. And no doubt this topic has been discussed at length in many other places and probably on ConSim World and and Game Squad. But I, I just wanted to do a little look up and see how much actual smoke was used during World War II. Yeah, I've heard someone say that it was much less than what you find in ASL. Much, much less. I did, you know, a pretty basic look up just, just using Google and I found a number of articles and just conversations, postings, and other things about the use of smoke in World War II. And it was used, but more often than not, a squad dispensing smoke was using it to mark our um, spotting for artillery or for air support or air pickup, whatever. Not so much for concealment. Pretty rare. I mean, simply because... The, the amount of smoke you get out of a hand-thrown smoke grenade is is not that much, not all that much. And if you throw that out there and run through it trying to think that you're going to obscure yourself, you know, the enemy's just going to say, oh, look, there's some smoke over there. Let's start shooting into it. The smoke doesn't stop a bullet it very well. It doesn't stop a bullet, and it doesn't cover a great deal of area, so it's not like you're going to really get lost in there. It's really You're really displaying to the enemy where you are. And, um, I mean, there was some smoke used for cover, but mostly that was dispensed by mortars or artillery. So the fact that there's so much use of smoke by squads in squad leader makes me wonder a little bit why they put it in there. And Yeah, it just can kind of complicate things a bit. Yeah. And it becomes, I mean, it, you can really effectively use, it's a great way of moving about and giving yourself some extra cover, but it just seems like it adds a level of unauthenticity. And really, you think about it, it's plus two is almost as much as woods. Yeah. It is the same as woods. It is. No, I'm sorry. Well, it's no, more it's, than woods. It's, it's more as than much woods. as a wooden building. Yes. And just slightly less than yeah. a stone building. And you need woods to make a wooden building, so that's why you were confused there. <laughs> So, yeah, it's pretty generous with the plus two for normal hand grenade smoke. Yeah. That's why phosphorus is only a plus one, as we'll be talking about. But Now, they did say, these articles did say that, you know, oftentimes uh, standard issue might be uh, two or three fragmentary grenades and one smoke grenade. But, again, the smoke grenade was usually not used to try to achieve cover unless you were moving into close combat and you might throw smoke into a 
into a room where there are uh, enemy units just to confuse them, get them all screwed up, and then you burst in and, and, and shoot. And firing but, into the smoke. Though. Yeah, works works pretty well for that. But in open ground, you know, and especially because there's wind and all kinds of things, it's just not too useful. The other thing I wonder, if I can digress further. You may. Or offshoot, is just that I don't really understand why you have to roll for smoke, what is achieved by that. What is what is the real-life metaphor for that? Is that maybe you, thinking you had smoke grenades and you don't anymore? Yeah. I know, but really? then they get them later. I know. It's like the Panzerfaust roll. Yeah. I remember with Panzerfaust, an original squad leader, you had counters for the Panzerfaust. Right. You know, it became very cumbersome on the board. Yeah. You have all these Panzerfaust stacked in there, and the stacks became huge. So I like the abstraction of the die roll maybe to solve that issue. Now, the the idea with the die roll then for the Panzerfaust is to whether or not you actually have a Panzerfaust. In a position. Not whether or not it, it will fire, but whether or not you have one. Correct. With, with smoke. In a position to use it. With smoke, you expend a movement point to even try for smoke. Well, you also, oh. Even if you don't achieve placing smoke. That's correct. It still so what, that, you what does that mean? You've, you've thrown a dud? You've wasted time searching for them? And in searching, so as you're patting yourself down looking for a grenade, you expend a movement point and your enemy can defensive fire on you. You're wasting time. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't quite make a lot of sense to me. Correct. So I want you to think about Do you that. have an alternative method? Well, uh, no, but it's uh, it's something worth considering when we come up with rule book three. Because as Dave and I are working on version three of the rule book. It's in bullet points. Yeah. <laughs> We're translating it into French first. <laughs> to give it to Xavier. And then back to English to add clarity. So I'd, anyway, those things just uh, came up for me, and I didn't know if you had an answer or if you'd like to you know, create an Even answer. Hazard an answer. No, no. Yeah. No, sir. Okay. Well, if anybody would like to come on the show and discuss smoke and the way it's used in Squad Leader, we'd love to have you. Just uh, send us an email and we'll set it up. And did we not um, have that as a topic in our roundtable last time? No. No, I don't think so. Maybe we could add it into next time. Yeah. Roundtable discussion. Yeah. And our plan with the next roundtable is to also talk about perhaps winning an ASL tournament and get Bob Holmstrom, who won the ASL... Winter Offensive? Winter War. Winter War. Yeah. Won the tournament down there in Champaign, Illinois. Yes. Which is pretty darn good, and we made us pretty darn proud. Adam. Yeah. Yeah, I've been walking a little taller, telling people I stop on the street, you know. I say, yeah, I know Bob Holmstrom. Yep, I'm getting oh, with yeah. Bob. And people look at me and they'll say, get away. Get away from me. <laughs> you strange, strange man. <laughs> All right, so without further ado, do. Tell me about smoke. Well, infantry smoke is hand grenades, as Jeff has said. Yeah. And they're called smoke grenades. <laughs> Clever. Now, to have them, Jeff, do you know what you know what you have to do? This isn't a quiz show. This is just a conversational quiz. Oh, really? Okay. Well, your the counter has to have a number, an, an exponent yes. number. Called a smoke exponent. Yeah. Right above the uh, firepower. Yep. On the counter, and that's what you have to roll using one die. Correct, that or less. That or less in order to have smoke. 
And if you make that roll, then you can throw the smoke. Right. And it doesn't work like a vehicle running out of ammunition where if you roll equal to it, you're out of it. And more than it, you don't have it. You know, it's just right. more than it, you don't have it in place this round. And it or less, you can throw smoke this round or movement phase. Yeah. And did you ever notice that half squads don't have a smoke exponent number? I've never really noticed that. So strategically, tactically, there's something to think about. If you're planning on using a lot of smoke, as some people don't think we do enough tactical advice in this game, in this show, then you would want to not deploy into a bunch of half squads. Right. Losing your smoke capability. It is a leaderless die roll. Can't be modified by a leader. Correct. And in Chapter H, there's a really cool thing called assault engineers. And I was going to ask you, historically, did assault engineers have a lot of smoke to throw? Yeah, historically, if anybody was to have smoke, the assault engineers would have it. And usually because smoke wasn't wasn't all that prevalent in some parts of the war and because of supply shortages and those types of things, if anybody would get it, it would be the assault engineers. And do you ever did they throw it in the streets a lot to cross streets? You know, uh, I didn't really find that in the article. Didn't say it didn't say. And you think about all the war movies you've seen. Yeah. How many times have you seen them toss a hand grenade into the street with smoke and then running across the street? I don't. I don't know. I may have seen it once or twice in combat, the old TV show, but I'd have to go through all those. And I don't yeah. think I've ever seen it in a war movie. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Interesting question, stemming from your your opening. Yeah. Questions. Well. If you roll a six, what happens to you on that roll to have smoke? Uh, the smoke goes off in your pants. It does, <laughs> and they call you the underwear bomber, <laughs> the Christmas Day bomber. <laughs> I think that, I think that terrorist accidentally just put a smoke grenade in his pants. Yeah, instead of I, explosives. Think, I think that's it. <laughs> he didn't get the fragmentation grenade. He grabbed a smoke grenade. It's got to be scary in his britches. What, having a smoke grenade go off in your underwear? <laughs> in your pants? Sure. <laughs> well, not if you're willing to die. You know, because, Dave, where there's smoke, there's fire, and you don't want fire in your pants no matter what. <laughs> well, it depends. <laughs> so when you roll a six, it ends your move. But you're not pinned. And I used to, like, think I was pinned for some reason. Hmm. Um, yeah, rolling a six, it ends your move. So you totally wasted the whole... Again, bringing up your question... So you're just standing there panning yourself down I for the whole movement phase, looking yeah. for the grenades crawling around on your hands and knees. So you're you're you end your move, but you're not pinned, so you may still advance. Yeah. You tried this, of course, during a movement phase, as you said, to have a smoke grenade, and it costs one to throw it in your own hex, and how many? Two adjacent to the adjacent hex. Two movement points. It gets expensive. Yeah, I'm thinking your squad has four. Um, so now, if you need to, to move far and you need cover for the following units, what you might consider doing, a little tactical advice. Practical tactical, that's you, Dave. <laughs> you know, risk one movement point to drop it in your hex as you move. So maybe you can advance into the street, assault move, not advance, assault move, and then throw it right in the hex there. So you can move and then throw smoke. Yes. And move. Right. And it has good implications for the Americans later on in White Phosphorus. We'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, think about it, too. If you're going to be moving into the street, open ground, and then dropping that smoke 
so you don't have to pay to move through it yourself. And then moving on, see, that's mm. how you're saving the movement points. Right. You want to, of course, use your high morale guys for that because they're going to be probably getting shot at out there in the street. So if you have an eight morale guy, maybe use him to go out and try this little maneuver or even just run out neg two, go <laughs> drop the smoke behind you and keep running. Yeah, you know, squad leader. Nice, yeah. nice roll, low roll, or a high roll on your, from your enemy shot. You'll get across that street. But anyway, I've, got, I've got an idea about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can cut this out of the show. But the, <laughs> but the idea is well, you know how popular it is for companies, especially to, to come up with these like collectible card games and collectible miniatures games. I think MMP could start selling like tiny little plastic packs of counters. And the the idea is you want to keep buying these until you get the twelve neg four guy. <laughs> no, I hate collectible games. Yeah, I no. totally hate. So them that's all. not a good idea. No, not okay. a good idea. All right, we'll scratch that. Now you must specify your hex first. I'm going to attempt to play smoke here, but you can wait and see what the other guy's attempts first. But now, of course, the problem is they have to continue moving once they make their attempt. So. But you can wait and see. Did he get smoke there? No, but he's got to go ahead and move. So often you find yourself in a situation where you want to put smoke to cover your own movement. You miss the smoke, and you've got to go ahead and take your move anyway. Yeah. Now, now it does not count as use of a support weapon. So you can still fire a machine gun then, right, in, in advancing fire phase. So if you tried for smoke, didn't get it, people shot at you, you stayed in good order and you happen to have a machine gun with you or even your own firepower, you can then remember to fire that off in advancing fire phase. Okay. And you only get one attempt per movement phase. So that guy running across the street, he can't throw it in this hex, run to the next hex, throw it in that hex. Oh. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, you, of course, cannot use smoke into a water obstacle. Uh, you can throw it on a bridge, but not on a footbridge. Okay. <laughs> That makes sense. Because it's a really narrow little bridge, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I guess. It would roll into the water. Uh, you don't want to use it in a sewer. Well, you can't use it in a sewer, which I also wondered why not. Yeah. I don't know. That doesn't you, really make you'd sense. you smoke your own rear end out as much I as guess. the other guy? Yeah, I suppose. But that's a risk if you're willing to take that risk. Yeah, you can't use them in a marsh, which you know I've tried with smoke bombs on the, on the 4th of July. Yeah. I throw them into the marsh. It, it, no worky. I don't get, no. Yeah. No. Uh, fog will not allow you to use smoke. Heavy winds or rain, you cannot use it. And, in fact, if heavy winds strike or rain starts to fall, it removes all smoke on the board. Okay. So if it's one of those persistent smokes, the like the, the type that gets laid down by uh, guns, mm -hmm. it's then it's, it's going to get removed. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm assuming the rain puts it out or something. Or yeah. Fizzles the little grenade or something or the shell. Now, you can place them adjacent, of course, if there is no wind. If there's a mild breeze, smoke cannot be placed in the three upwind hexes. Ah. So, got me to thinking. You can put it adjacent. Oh, the, yeah. The way it was phrased in the rule book was a little tricky, it seemed contradictory. But once you read through it all, you realized, okay, no wind. I can put them anywhere around me. Mild breeze, smoke cannot be placed in the three upwind hexes. And then heavy wind, 
there's no smoke at all. Okay. So it kind of progresses that way. Yeah. Now, it can be placed in an adjacent higher elevation across a single crest line or um, in a building stairwell up to the higher level straight above you. But it doesn't always stay up there. Oh. So when you place that, you have to roll one to three, and that would be following your smoke exponent roll. Mm -hmm. And you take the movement points to place the smoke grenade up there. You roll one to three, and it stays put up there. And if you roll four to six, the smoke comes into your own hex. So I assume when it rolls back down the crest hill or um, down the stairwell in a building hex. Yeah, nasty. Yeah, I'm just thinking here about, uh, you know, how big a hex is in squad leader on a squad leader board. It's 40 four, meters. 40 meters. So it's about 44 yards. 44 square yards. How many hand-thrown smoke bombs would it take to fill 44 square yards? For, well, it's not 44. It's 44 by 44, so it's like 1,600 square yards. Take six and a half. Six and a half? Okay. <laughs> Grenades. That was quick. Yeah, I just calculated that out. Yeah. From, you know. Well, and I guess that makes sense. It's not necessarily, it's just, it's no, not just no one idea. guy. Oh, I have no idea. It's, oh, it's yeah, a whole well, it's squad. A squad. Yeah, so a squad is 20. <laughs> you are. Or six, is it 16? Oh, oh. A squad will vary between 8 to 12, depending on yeah, nationality and right. time frame. Yeah, I know that. You are really pondering this. I am really pondering it. I mean, it's a big deal to me on something that's so meticulously. Um, crafted like squad leader is. I wonder where this thing came up from. It, it's very handy. It's nice to have, but you know, you may as well have say, I. And if you roll a two, you can pull a bazooka out of your helmet, <laughs> <laughs> even if you didn't have one. Well, they still use bazooka counters. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, I mean, but it's like magic. We're going to have a little magic exponent thing here, which we'll call smoke. No, it, it represents an abstraction, sir. You're being yeah, far too realistic. Too, uh, it's too abstract. Okay, but don't let me rain on your parade. No, because that will disperse your smoke. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, where were we? <laughs> Oh, across the uh, cliff, uh, adjacent crest line or up the stairs. It might come back down to get you. Now, you can throw it down to the next lower level in a stairway hex. Easily enough, right? Mm -hmm. Or to the ground level or a non of a non-interior building hex. So, like, you know, you're in a corner of a building and you can just drop the smoke down from the roof, down from the third level... It'll fall all the way to the ground. Outside. Yeah, it's yeah. called gravity. Okay. They even okay. have gravity in the game. Oh, that, wow. All the rules of gravity and physics. And it would accelerate during the fall to 9.8 meters per second yes, squared. Yes, it, it would. And then the smoke goes into that ground level of that hex. Also, you can throw it down across a double crest line. And you couldn't yes. throw it up that far. Right. And also down a cliff. Makes sense. Yeah. Now, the half-inch counter is the one we use, and you remove it at the end of the attacker's movement phase after all their first fire. So the smoke sits there during the whole movement phase. Everybody shoots, 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 and then you remove them before final fire. Now, it cannot be dispersed or drift the half-inch kind. 
Now you get into the five eighths inch kind, which we won't do on this show. Then you've got a problem. They can disperse and they can be they can drift. They can get a lot more complicated. But the little half inch ones, like you said, they don't last very long. Plop them in the street. They're there for the movement phase and they're gone. And uh, so the half inch ones are those single level hindrances. Two level. They're two level hindrances. Yes, which is ah. very confusing. Yeah, I didn't. I actually, I I don't think it's ever come up in anything that I've played. Well, where we're where I would be firing down through, you know, a second level of that smoke. Right. Yeah, it definitely affects it. Now, okay. Let me add quickly. You can't use them in mud. Did I say that earlier? I don't think you mentioned mud. No. Or deep snow. But also then, yeah, the two level. So the trick with the two level is it says level two on the counter, smoke. Oh, level it does. Two. Okay. Plus two, hand grenade smoke. Yeah. Not white phosphorus. Then you. So you, would you think it goes up through the second level? So if you're on the second level, don't you think it's full of smoke? I would think so, level yeah. level two. Right. Wrong. They realized somewhere in there that people were playing that the wrong way, and it actually comes up to your bottom of your feet. <laughs> if you're Think of it that oh. way. If you're standing on the second level, it fills, and I mentioned this in my tutorial. We'll tack on at the end here. It fills all of the zero level up to the first, through the first level, up to the bottom of the feet of the guy standing on level two. Oh, yes. Well, that does make sense to so, me. Yes, no, I wouldn't think level. it would. Okay. I would call it level one then, right? Because it's, I well, would... no, it's. Right. But anyway, lots of people, including myself, was playing it wrong. So in, in either one of the rules rewrites or the uh, annual or something, they clarified that. And at tournaments, people were conflicted. But. So if you're both standing on a second level, you can fire right over the normal smoke, grenade smoke. You, know, okay. you can fire at each other straight across it yeah. with smoke below you. Now, any shot down from that hex messes up your fire. So if yeah. you have a guy at the second level, you know, machine gun nest dude harassing your troops, you know, you can play smoke in his hex, but it always lands at the ground level if it's the OBA kind of smoke, but that's a different for next episode. But the hand grenade smoke tossed in there. Would not affect him unless yeah. he shoots down from his own axe. Okay. So. so this smoke not only fills... <clears throat> <laughs> okay, get off the metaphysics. 40, 40-meter 40, 40 square area, but it goes up 80 meters. Is yes. that what we're saying? It does. It's In one little canister. It's scientifically proven, Jeff. All of this is science. Wow. You can't, you know... That's a lot of smoke. You know how many cigarettes it would take to fill that same hex? That would take, you know how many, it would take five Greek sailors, probably, to, to make create that much smoke. Why Greek? <laughs> they, they, they smoke Are a they lot. Are they known for that? I remember when I flew to Greece uh, some years ago, uh, there was still, you could still smoke on the plane. So we were on yeah, this gigantic 747, and I was sitting way in the back, but there were these, this nice little group of uh, Greek Orthodox women uh, at the front of the plane in the smoking section, and man... Could they smoke? <laughs> oh my gosh! And I, I spent like the last six hours of that flight not breathing. And when we got off the plane, I thought, thank goodness! Now we're going to go inside the Athens airport, you know, out of the plane into the airport. I'll be able to breathe. But no, everybody in the airport was smoking. I mean, it was just, it was nasty. Anyway, I yeah, survived. I've survived. We've come a long way. Yes, with we that, have. haven't we? Yeah. As a as a world aware of the hazards of smoking. Yeah. Now all direct fire and onboard mortar fire into, through, or within, or out of smoke is affected by the plus two for the hand grenade smoke. Yeah. 
uh, for infantry or for the infantry hand grenade smoke, but it's a plus one if it's white phosphorus. White phosphorus will come up in the next show. Now, in addition to it, this, when you're shooting out of smoke, you suffer an additional plus one. Okay. Which I guess the smoke being closer to your eyes, it's harder to see through it. I would guess. Then looking further away into it. Well, and somebody shooting into smoke, when they see that smoke, they're thinking, somebody's running oh. through there. <laughs> Start shooting. <laughs> they're not just going to throw it out there for no good reason. Right. Start shooting, but the guys in the smoke are going to have a harder time seeing out. To so yeah, it's like so. a, the smoke becomes an aiming point. Yeah. So you're saying shooting into the smoke at a target, it's a plus two, but the guys shooting out plus three. It's plus three. Correct. Yeah. If it's white phosphorus, it's, then it's plus one, plus yeah. two. Okay. Okay. Now, in addition to this, you get to count your in hex train effect modifiers and other line of sight hindrances. So when you toss a smoke onto a building and then shoot at it, it's plus five. Really? Three for the stone building. Yeah. Plus two for gets to be a lot. I, I actually didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, the infantry smoke, which we're mostly talking about here, would dissipate quickly. But the other kind of smoke, you can start to worry yeah. about adding it together with train effect modifiers. Um, it's not a, when you do an OBA or minefield attack. Does 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 the do the minefields suffer from the smoke? Oh boy, no, I wouldn't think so. No, no. because they no. don't have eyes. Right. <laughs> Right, minefields yeah. don't have eyes. Mines do, minefields do not have eyes. Okay. Or the OBA. I think we should could probably, uh, that should be the title of this show. Minefields don't have eyes. Yeah, I may, we should Twitter that out just to let everybody know in case there's any <laughs> question about it. Also, the a demolition charge, does it have eyes? <laughs> well, the ones made by Pillsbury do. <laughs> But the Pillsbury Doughboy? The poppin' fresh uh, demolition charge. He's not a demolition charge, Jeff. He's like a a muffin man. You think he's a demolition? Did your mother tell you that growing up? During the war, they did their part, the Pillsbury people. Because they pop out of the little container like you... Yeah, poppin' fresh. Yeah. You twist the thing, you hit it on the counter, and then throw it. No. All right. No, no, they don't have... Demolition charges don't have eyes, Dave. No. So you, they don't not have, the smoke does not affect the DC explosion. Uh, the OBA it will affect the placement die rolls though, right? Yeah, right. If it's accurate or not, the yes. smoke will obscure that. Okay. Now there's no limit to the number of smoke counters placed in one hex. <laughs> now don't go metaphysical on me, okay? <laughs> but if you put three infantry smoke grenades in a hex, plus two, plus two, plus two. It only can be up to a plus three modifier total. Oh. So. Then is it plus four to shoot out of? Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's as high as it gets. Correct. So that's dumb to keep doing it. Correct. Okay. Thanks for not going into the metaphysics (laughs) on this. And if you have a total of a plus six, any kind of hindrance, smoke, whatever, blocks line of sight. That's right. So keep that in mind. You could possibly block a line of sight. Now this will also negate movement open ground, the smoke. No neg one for that, but you still have a neg one for non-assault movement. Yes. Running fast, you know, negates open ground. And shooting into smoke, it fills the whole hex, so it blocks along its inherent terrain, you know, which fills the whole hex. So when you shoot along the hex side, it blocks it. Okay. So you have to pay the plus on yeah. the hex side. Because we know when you throw a smoke grenade, 
It goes right. <laughs> the smoke goes right to the edge of the dis. The <laughs> and then it stops. And then it stops. Okay. okay, here's a question for you. Yes. Oh, great. Oh, great one. All I did was Karnak. read the rules and make this little sheet up, okay? Can you dash through smoke? Now, that was going to be one of my tactical tips. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Try dashing through the smoke in a one-horse open sleigh because um, you're dashing, what, it halves the firepower the guy's shooting at you? That's right. Something like that. Yeah. I always have to look it up when I play squad leader. And it has to be from one building to another building Correct. across a road. And right? you're trying to always yeah. cross roads, usually when you're throwing smoke. You know. Yes. I don't think a lot of people throw it, oh, i got to go through the woods. Let's throw smoke in no. the woods. To, yeah, not too much. You know, add an extra plus. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, try dashing across the street. Two to throw adjacent. Two to move into the street. But another squad would have to throw it, right? No. Because dashing call? dashing has to be the only movement you do. Is that right? It can be used with a dash. It can be. Yes. Oh. Part of the same movement phase. You know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I, I did not know that. short-term memory problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yes, Jeff, dashing could be a neat technique. Ah. Um, you throw it, you pay two to go. Unless I'm wrong, you know, people, listeners, let us know. Pay two to go into the street, and then, what, two into the building opposite? Six. Six movement factors. Yeah. So you'd have to go CX or have a leader with you. Yeah. Now, the problem with going CX, tactically, it lowers your smoke exponent number, I think. Yeah. For CX, it's plus one. But to not the smoke until you're level. CX'd, and you're not CX'd until. At, at, no, until the end of your it, movement you, phase. You call it, you place it on. Oh, yeah, that's you right. Throw that's it, right. It's going to mess you up. That's my understanding. Again, let us know if we're wrong. So folks. you couldn't do it. Yeah, you can call CX. I have a smoke exponent of three. But then you could you could not dash I roll one, into two. a building across the street. Yeah, it's still six movement factors. Oh, okay. It adds one to your smoke exponent? Well, plus or, one, or, I think. Or plus one on the die roll. Yeah, okay. so it's going to mess you up. So you'd have you. to roll a one. If you're a two. If your smoke exponent is uh, three, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Some of them go up then to three. Three is the oh, highest yeah, that's I've right. seen. That's right. Oh, assault engineers, throw a two on that five. That's great. The eight three eights, yeah. Right, German eight three eight assault engineers, smoke exponent of five. Really excellent. Now, more than just tactical advice to wrap this up, you can play smoke in. This goes up two levels. You can play smoke in the first level hex, building hex. Yeah. And it'll rise up an extra higher level. Right up through the floor? It goes outside the windows. Yeah. So if there were guys above that? It counts. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's not contained within a building, which, again, metaphysically you know, might be an issue. But now remember, the plus six is going to block line of sight, and you have an extra plus one when you're shooting out. So if I hit you with a smoke, not grenades, of course, but you know, the other smoke from tanks that last longer hit you with that and then a white phosphorus at plus two i think it's plus five for you to shoot out is plus six yeah you can't see out right possible okay. to blind you and not blind me but but again who wants to i'm not sure why you throw so much smoke at a target and then, and then shoot at it with all those pluses yeah even a plus five is hard to hit you're usually just using that to blind your opponent so so again tactically you want to use this to to blind killer stacks and i saw this done actually in a game with gary fortenberry my first asl ass lock in ohio i went and i watched him play some guy they were playing a scenario i had played recently actually and 
they had the killer stack up in the steeple or up in the up in the building, second level, you know. Yeah. Or first level, shooting down the road, and and the one player I forget who it was fired smoke at the building, blinding him. And I was like, wow, that's that's cool. Yeah, it's cool. And remember, I didn't like messing with a lot of the rules when I played for yeah. so many years. Yeah. You know, uh, oh, I'm not going to bother throwing smoke. It's just going to have to look up rules. So yeah. let's just you know shoot high explosives at that tower. Well, it's hard to bust those guys with high explosives. You know, you got to hit, and then you got to get a result on that. But smoke automatically adds a plus to yeah. it. Yeah. And so try that. Uh, hinder the killer stack's line of sight. Uh, you of course, use it to cover your moves, as we've been talking about the whole night. I was playing Bob, and this gets into another kind of smoke we'll do on the next show also. Vehicle smoke and burning terrain smoke. I was playing Bob, and I moved like a half track up. I didn't know what else to do with it. And he had Panzerfaust, and I was hoping he wouldn't hit me, and I'd be able to use the machine gun on it to shoot into his building. And I had it in the street. He, like, was hesitant to shoot it with Panzerfausts. And he got ill. This is the night he got ill with flu. I, mean, I had to leave. We had to ditch the game. But mm. at one point he says, oh, that's a good strategy, trying to get me to shoot the Panzerfaust at it. And I'm thinking, what is he talking about? I didn't want him to shoot a Panzerfaust in my half track and kill it. You know, He's like, because, yeah, with that high kill number, I was really tempted to shoot that thing, and you know, I would have had to kill it with something. And then if I roll low enough, I would have had a burning wreck. And with the, with the downwind... The smoke from that wreck would have oh come right gosh. across the street, and you would and have had the perfect him. smoke screen you were trying to get to come across with your infantry. You're brilliant, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at him. I go, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not that good. Yeah. I had I don't no know. concept. Who do you think you're playing? No concept that it, that would have happened. Yeah. And he's like, Oh man. And I'm like, Okay. Mental note. Wow. Look for downwind. Yeah. <laughs> this was this uh, tactical advice. Courtesy of Bob, you got a vehicle you don't really need. Uh, you can afford to lose whatever, or if you have to just take, you have to take that thing with your infantry in the last turn. Yeah, right? and you're going to go in and try and vehicle bypass freeze them. If he hits you with the Panzerfaust in the street anyway, and the wind's going the right way, you know, or go go the way where the wind will take the smoke downwind down the street, and then say, okay, go ahead and hit me. You knock me out here. You know, it's going to cause a smoke screen, and they may not even be thinking about that. So yeah, that was good. Good. I can't even imagine having that that sort of the prescience to even think about that. Oh. <laughs> Again, I was not thinking that. Yeah, that's um, wild. So that's a great tip. Yeah, accidentally discovered by me. <laughs> now here's a concept: smoke costs. Oh, we didn't talk about this. Smoke costs you to move through. Yes. Right. It's an extra movement factor. Yeah. Well, if your enemy has to exit that board, maybe you have a vehicle with no line of sight to an enemy unit. Or a small firepower or something, but it has smoke, or you have smoke. Uh, we'll get into this vehicle. We did this vehicle smoke in an earlier show. We won't be doing vehicle smoke next time, right? We'll just do right. yeah. artillery smoke yeah. or, or the big cannon smoke. Um, gun smoke. Gun smoke. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That's right, partner. <laughs> shoot smoke at his exit hexes. If you don't have infantry to cover it, it's not going to mess you up. Or your infantry can shoot two hexes in front of that to lay down first fire and subsequent fire. Is it worth it? Can you stop him by throwing smoke in that hex? Is that one movement factor going to make a difference? I found most of the time in squad leader that one really makes a difference. It does make a difference. difference. All the time I'm thinking, ah, that's not going to make a difference. It always makes a difference. I fell a hex short. Yeah. You know? Um, So, yeah, use the smoke to slow down your enemy's movement. Don't think of it simply as a way to cover your own movement. That's all I got. (laughs) 
Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. We kind of covered the other one in the earlier. Yeah. About moving through the street, calling a salt movement or moving in and dropping it and then, you know, taking the neg shot or dashing or various ways to do it. Of course, you want to throw the smoke in front of the rest of the guys who want to move behind the smoke. Yes. So don't forget to do that. In the tutorial, that's what I've done. I set up a simple situation, and the tutorial's not great, and I'm open for criticism, everybody, but it's, I think it's solid. It's for people who don't, haven't played Smoke. So, you know, give it a listen, and... That's great. I'll try and get them better, just like... Uh, it's not up to par with the newbie do right now, but it's something to have and to, to look at and to think about with Smoke usage. Yeah. And we can do more little... I think it gives... Anyway, it's a good experiment for the future of taking a, a topic and a concept and then showing it on a, on a game board. Yeah. Either in the show or out of the show. Excellent. Nice work. Thank you. Um, Next time, white phosphorus and, and gun smoke. And I'm gonna looking forward to doing a little research, seeing about, see if I can answer some of these questions that are plaguing me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like a zombie plague. Well, let's get on to that tutorial, Dave. I'm, I haven't heard it yet, so I'm looking forward to listening to that. We'll put it in right here, and we'll talk again when that's over. Yeah, we'll sign off at, after it. Yeah. It'll be the end of the show. Yeah. Here we go. Jeff. Jeff. Jeff, what I'm are you in, doing? I'm in here. What are you doing in here? I'm clipping counters. Using what? My nail clippers, Dave. I'm clipping counters. Jeff, Jeff, we've got to get to the tournament. People are expecting I know, us. I know, I, I know. Are, our fan base is there, Dave, Jeff. Dave, I oh, cannot oh. go to the tournament with ragged corners on my counters. Leave but, me alone. i got to clip these. But all, but all two of our listeners are there waiting uh, to I've hear I've only got 400 team. counters to go. Give me. Can you come back tomorrow? No, 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 no. Here, 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 here. No, it won't take here, eight here. hours. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. I'm, remember, the C4 corner cutter. Oh, the C4 corner cutter. I totally forgot. How could you have forgotten? Here, here it is. Take the C4, Jeff. I can cut hundreds of counters. Hundreds of counters. Line them up right in there. All right. Hold that blade. All right. Ready. Go. Wow. Load in another five. There you go. This is amazing. Ten more. Oh, my gosh. Another ten. Can anything be easier? This is fantastic. This is a miracle. How did I ever get by without a C4 corner cutter? You ready to go to the tournament? Dave, I'm ready to go. Let's go! Don't let ragged corners ruin your next squad leader tournament. Get a C4 corner cutter from Counter Culture. When you order, mention the two half squads, and they'll toss a dollar into the shipper. Yep, a buck in the box just for mentioning the two half squads. And there's no time limit on this offer. Something else, the C4 has gone retail, so check with your local hobby or game store to see if they have it. Speed up the tedious task of clipping counters one at a time. Get the C4 corner cutter. Less time clipping means more time gaming. And a buck in the box, too. For more info, just click the link on our show site. Hey, everybody. It's Dave. I'm um, going to do one of the first of, let's hope it's a series, of newbie tutorials Moving to full ASL, getting newbies to move to full ASL. In this one, we look at specific aspects of ASL. This particular one is smoke. And in this series, we will look at perhaps DCs, flamethrowers, various aspects. And, and this currently, I'm going to start in on infantry smoke. 
so I've set up my board, chose board three, because I figure a lot of people have it, and maybe the newbies have it, although I guess newbies would have boards from starter kits, so maybe this was a bad choice. But anyone that wants a smoke tutorial, you'll have to find board three somewhere on Vassal and take a look. I've set it up as follows. A German 436 conscript in U2. A German 447 in W4. A German half squad second line 237 in R8. And a German half squad 247, that's the first line, in R6. The Americans are set up in V3, 667. V6, a 347, elite half squad. And W6 on the hill, a 536, green squad. And U6, a 346, first line squad. And in T6, 666, first line. And in T4, over across the street there in the stone building, a 747, elite paratroop U.S. squad. It's a rather odd setup, but the point is I'm just going to illustrate how smoke can be used in this situation. The Americans going to need to have, for victory condition, let's say two squads in T4. So the guys on the right side of the board, the guys across the street, U3, the guys in V row and W row, and U6 got to cross the road and T6 over to T4 or maybe S5 for the victory conditions. So we got to get them to move. The Germans have been strategically set up to cut off their movement, where Germans probably could be down the road uh, covering the open ground hexes. The first thing I'll do in this instance is roll my dice. Oh, look, a three. And... I rolled that for the 667 Elite Squad in V3. He was attempting to play smoke. I would have to declare the type of smoke I think first. I'm going to place regular smoke in V4. Then I roll that 3 or less. That's his exponent number. It's a small number next to the 6. I get the 3 and I'm going to place smoke on V4. I use a green smoke plus two level two small counter half inch counter and I have some that are green because they came in a later game and the green signifies that you use them during the movement phase so it's the start of the movement phase no one has prepped I didn't go through all the stages of course prepping rally prep now move so I place this in V4 oh you're saying wait a minute we think it, what if it rolls down the hill? It might roll down the hill. So in order to get it to stay up there on V4, I have to make a subsequent, subsequent die roll of a 1 to 3. A 2, so it stays on the hill. My goal here is to block fire from W4, the Germans 447. Now it's the start of the movement phase, so his movement is complete. I'd like to place another smoke in U4 in the road, but that's not legal. He can only place one smoke attempt per move. 
Now, the next thing I want to do is to cover the road U3 to U5. So the guy most likely to do that, the 747 and T4, he did not prep fire because he could only see R8, the 237, and he'd be shooting at long range, and he really wants to get smoke plays to cover U5 or U4. In this case, he's going to just toss it into U5. So he's going to roll a die. He has a 3 exponent next to the 7 of his firepower. And he rolls the dice. Look at that. A 1. He has smoke. So he places it into U5. Is that what I said? Yeah, U5. Now, his movement, he can continue to he used two movement points to place it adjacent there in the road. The guy in V3 had used two movement points to place it up the hill into V4. And actually, it probably would have been smarter, if I'm really playing for T4, to get squads in there, that once V3 had tossed his smoke, he should have expended a movement point to step into the street in U4. He would then draw fire from U2, or maybe W4, but W4's fire would be blocked by the smoke in V4 because it's going to go along the hex spine. The smoke fills the entire hex, so it will block line of sight along the hex spine between V3 and V4. Now, this puts my German conscript pretty well out of business here if I have the smoke in U5. Um, he won't be able to get a shot at anybody, a good shot at anyone bypassing U6 or moving through the smoke in U5 to get to T4. Of course, V3 would have moved before the smoke was placed in U5. He's probably going to take that shot at that guy anyway, draw the fire off. So he rolls. Oh, it's Snake Eyes, the 667's KIA'd. And then we go to the 747, placing smoke in U5. You put a residual in U4. That's not my concern tonight. It's just to illustrate the smoke usage. So now the 747 has placed his smoke in his movement phase. He then is going to move nowhere. Well, I could jump into S4. No, he has no reason to move anywhere. He's going to sit. Then the 666 and T6. He has a smoke exponent of 3. Somebody's going to need to cut off some fi uh, the, the firepower coming from R6, the German 247. He's going to try and play smoke. He rolled a 2. Can you believe it? What are the odds of that? It cost him 2 movement points to play smoke adjacent. Now he's going to... Why can't he should move too, shouldn't he? Because the goal is to get into S5 and T4 for the victory. So he will then play, expend the two to play smoke in S6 and one to go into T5. The German half squad, 247, doesn't have a great shot at that, but he might take it anyway. He would add plus two for the smoke, and had I called the salt move which I neglected to, 
I could because I'm only spending three movement points total to place the smoke in S6 at a cost of two, and then to move into T5 at a cost of one. Now I had the 667 from T6, placed the smoke in S6, and then wanted to move into the smoke in S6, he would be using his four allowed movement points, and so he would, or movement factors, then he would uh, not be allowed to do assault movement. And he would be subject to an extra neg one, he'd be subject to doubling the firepower from R6. So let's just go to T5 with non with with assault movement. Well, no, I forgot to call it, but you get my point. Had he thought of it, he could have called it to get to T5. would have been his best move. Now the stage is set to move these other three squads back. If the squad from R8, the half squad, fires at T5, he also has to pay for the smoke because it fills the whole hex in S6. So he'd be a long-range shot, a 1 plus 2 smoke, neg 1 because I forgot to call assault move, would be a plus 1. He's going to fire anyway and come up with not much anyway. So these other squads are free to move. We take the 3, 4, 6. He would dash across the road, dash move. And going to T5, T4. And then from V6, the 3, 4, 7, half squad can move into U6, T5, and T4, and the 536 wants to move, and he goes to V5. That's a safe movement because of the smoke in V4. Let's say that uh, my plan was that the 536 was um, had a reduced movement, and he wouldn't be allowed for some reason to. Well, I guess that wouldn't happen. What if he was a wounded leader? Anyway, the goal was to cover V5 with the smoke from V4. The German in W4 would have to pay that plus 2 again because it fills the whole hex. So he can go to V5, he could bypass U6, he could go to T5. Cost of 1, 2, 3, and then he can later advance into S5 for the victory as the 666 would also then advance in S5 for the victory. You get the idea. Hopefully that illustrates some real basics about smoke, that it fills the whole hex. Uh, we didn't talk about it being a two-level hindrance, a hindrance that, let's say you had a squad on W6, a German squad on W6. His fire from here if he shot straight across and another level 2 hex, let's pretend that S3 is a level 2 hill, and then he would not have to pay for that plus 2 smoke because he'd be going straight across it. The plus 2 smoke is, to f is believed just to fill the level 0 hex and then area and then the level 1 area does not go into level 2. The 447, if it fires down through the smoke at all, then it pays the plus 2. So if it were to take a shot at level 1 in, oh, 
anywhere, you know, through the smoke, it would have to pay the smoke penalty. Now we're going to do another little demonstration. So if you would take the, some of the same counters and place them up in this setup, in hex S1, a 347, T0, a 666, T1, a 346. Those are all American. T3, continuing with the Americans, 667, T4, a 747, V3, a 536. Now going to the German squads, place a 237 in V4, a 247 in W4, and in W5, place both a 447 and the 436. Now in this situation, the American has to get the two half squads and the 666 across the S2 T2 road. The German is set up to lay some fire in there from V4. Maybe it can hit S2. I'm not checking line of sight now, but possible. But from W5, real sure he can get past that billion in T3 and hit hex S2 with some firepower, albeit long range, but with some nags. Could be devastating as the American has to get to, let's say, R3 to win the game. The half squad in W4 can't see past the V3 building, can't see down past it, only straight across the top of it. So he won't be a factor in this. So we have the squad in, let's say, V3. He has a smoke exponent of 2. I've been so lucky tonight rolling that smoke. Let's see if I can do it again. Oh, it's a 2. What do you know? So he places smoke in, heck, let's go up to V4 again. Now remember, that's a 50% chance of it falling back down. One to three, it stays in place. Four, five, six, it falls down. Oh, it stayed in place. A miracle. And then the 747 in T4 goes for his smoke. He's got it also. He placed, yeah, okay, I'm making up these die rolls, folks, but he places smoke in U4. And the 667, T3 tries his. He actually did get smoke with a one, and he places it in... U3, or should it be T2? How about T2? And none of them are moving at all. So I want to illustrate the fact that the fire now from 436 and the 447 and W5 is actually blocked because it's a plus 6 modifier. Any plus 6 hindrance modifier actually blocks line of sight. So that being the case, my infantry can now easily move into S2, R2, and R3 for the victory. Congratulations, Dave. You just beat yourself. Now, of course, had any of these squads rolled a 6, that would have meant not only that he didn't have smoke, but the 6 would end his move in that location. He isn't pinned. He can advance later, but it would end his move. So don't forget that. Now, another thing to think about is if you have a 667 in U6 American, 
a German 447 in V6, a German 247 in, let's try W6, and an American 747 in S5, and the American for some reason has to get into T5 for some reason. You're worried about the shot from W6 hitting T5. Don't know if it does or doesn't. I'm not doing a line of sight check here. Just illustrating a point. You could, instead of prepping the 667 up to W6 to break the 247, you could throw smoke in your own hex. So you roll your die. Oh, a three, yeah. 667 has smoke and drops it in his own hex by expending one movement point instead of two movement points to throw it adjacent to U5 because he's betting the line of sight will have to just cross through his own hex missing the building to hit hex T5 if that line of sight's there not saying that it is so there's another reason to uh, example of how you might want to throw why you might want to throw smoke in your own hex as opposed to adjacent and that the movement factors are less don't forget, we talked about on a previous show, the or tonight show, whenever this airs, the um, fact that you can take your squad, if you put your 747 in S3, he can throw smoke upstairs, but same rules as throwing an up the hill crest line. 1 to 3, it's okay. 4, 5, 6, it comes back down into his hex. Whereas if you're in the upper level of hex S3 with your 747, you can drop smoke down, no problem. And if you were up even two levels, you could just throw smoke down in an exterior building hex into your own hex. So it must fall along the wall and land in your own hex down there and lay the smoke that way. So some more options for you. I know in, in this uh, replay or little little tutorial, in a lot of cases you probably want to shoot the squad at the <laughs> enemy rather than try and throw smoke to block line of sight. But this was a demonstration of simply throwing smoke. And we hope it's been helpful. And we hope to bring more to you. So good night, everybody. Take care. Oh, that was cool, Dave. Well, it was okay. <laughs> yeah, for, I mean, for a first effort. <laughs> for a first effort, yeah. uh, I stuttered a little, um, you know, I'll try and get things a little smoother next time, and again, we'll decide if that's going to be a shorter five, ten-minute tutorial going with the topic of each show, or yeah. lump them all together and call it a new strand um, yeah. tutorial episode one or something like that. So there are photos that go with that. I'll get them up in the Flickr account. Ah, good. Okay. And hope that's just helpful anyway to somebody somewhere. Yeah. As usual. I'm sure it will be. As as always, we are helping humanity. We're trying our best. Now yeah. coming up, I think Jeff, we're talking about another round table. That's right. That'll be coming in two two maybe, maybe two shows from now. Yeah. Uh smoke part two. Yes. And a film review. What's the We name got a film review, we've got a book review. 
a sh- separate show with. Oh, film. we've got a separate show with a film review and a um, that that actually might be up by the time this gets up. And a scenario replay. Yeah, and which we're calling um, double feature. A double feature. Yeah, the two half squads double feature. Okay. So a lot of good stuff coming up. So we hope you'll stay tuned. We hope everybody enjoyed this show. If not, try the next one. <laughs> not <laughs> they check might the, get better. Check the dull box. Yeah, check the dull box. Well, remember we told you it was downhill from here. Yeah. So. So yeah. Don't expect more. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, we're we're feeling bad about our episode um, twenty nine office party that we recorded in December. It's not yes. getting enough listenership. So please. It, it's not just an office party. No. It's a normal episode. With guns. With, it has guns part two in there. It's an office a, party with guns. Great quiz show. Actually, yeah. it's one of the funnier episodes. So yeah, it's a very good show. Get out there, people. Hit so, that show. Yeah, listen to that show. And uh, until next time, this is Jeff. And this is Dave. And we're telling you to roll low. And rally well. Rally very well. But, but not, not when, when you're, you're playing, playing us. us. See you next time, everybody. Bye-bye, everyone. It's something we gotta get to the bottom of.